and welcome to episode 61 of the Cinefessions podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts. My name is Brandon Chowan. And joining me today, we have Ash Collins and Mark Nadu. Ash, how are things going today? Things are awesome. Excellent. And Mark? Mark? Ah, what happened? The, uh, the lights just went out. Everybody, I'm here. Mr. <laughs> Kate himself, Mark Nadu, here for another episode of Cinefishing Podcast. I just had a big glass of chocolate milk. If you followed my story on Instagram, please do so. By the time it comes out, it will be deleted. So you're a loss. <laughs> oh my god. That's, um, what's his name's new theme music from NXT, right? Yes, Mr. Bobby Roode. I have never watched any TNA before, apart from (laughs) Abyss matches, because it's the Abyss and he's awesome. Hell yeah. Um, But already, I'm a huge fan of the guy, and he just cut one single promo. (laughs) Yeah, his music is just awesome. You know what? You can tell who's going to get pushes in NXT (laughs) by the quality of their theme walkout music yeah because you got him where apparently there's a whole orchestral uh choir behind him and then you get guys like tm61 with the generic graphic and the kind of <laughs> like meaty soundtrack soundtrack <laughs> uh intro they're not getting the belt on the revival you know right. it's gargano and champa who's gonna get them mm. that's my oh, prediction yeah, no for SummerSlam. new champs at SummerSlam or yep. brooklyn 2 right yeah nxt takeover yeah. brooklyn 2 should be a good one. I can't you know wait what, for Joe uh, and what's his name? Joe and Nakamura was going to be good. And then you got Bailey and you got Asuka. I think those are the only yeah. matches I know so far. But yeah. that's only two weeks. So I expect a lot of uh, uh, new announcements happening uh, tomorrow on NXT, which is two days right. ago if you're listening to this Friday, which is two days from now. <laughs> that's Three right, because we're recording on Tuesday. Tuesday. Yes, this we're recording week, live. Yes, on a Tuesday. A glorious Tuesday. <laughs> Life was so much better back now. <laughs> oh, you know, back in the day when I weighed about half a pound less before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So today we are continuing our look at the entire directorial career of a one Rob Zombie. So we are reviewing The Devil's Rejects from 2005. So before we do that, though, I want to remind everyone listening that we love interacting with you. And so you can get in touch with us in a couple of different ways. Follow us on Twitter at Cinefessions. Contact, uh, email us at contact at Cinefessions.com. Or leave us a voicemail and be part of an upcoming show at 1-302-448-TALK. That's 1-302-448-8255. We love questions, comments, corrections, anything else you want to share with us. We love for you to do so, so that you can be a part of the show in one way or another. And you can also like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Cinefessions. And always check out Cinefessions.com for past reviews and some newer ones. I posted one uh, yesterday, I believe it was. So definitely check Cinefessions.com out. So that mentioned, we actually have our very first caller to the Cinefessions hotline. Oh, I know. I'm excited as hell. And it's actually our long-lost podcast buddy, Chris Ranson. So I'm going to play you guys the 
message that Chris left us. Excuse the quality. It's not the best, but that's just the way it's going to be on these voicemails. So here it is. Chris Ranson, our first voicemail. Let's have a listen. Hey, guys, it's Chris. I have a few questions for you, comments and suggestions. So one comment, Lights Out is produced by James Wan, not directed by. It's actually directed by the guy and written by the guy who did the short that it's based off of. I have a question for Mark. When you're going through your 31 films or whatever your challenge was for CSSC, the films you didn't like, did you keep them or are you getting rid of them? Are you just going to keep everything in your collection or do you get rid of the things you don't like? I guess that's my answer. And I guess all three of you can answer that. Uh, comment on the House of a Thousand Corpses. Uh, it definitely says 1977 during a title screen. It's either in the very beginning of the film or it's during the trick-or-treating scene where um, you see like the people trick-or-treating real quick and then she calls home and her dad says that they're having Halloween the night before because school is the next day. Suggestions for an upcoming podcast. So for director, I think you guys should do Cronenberg because why the hell not? And I'm sure, Brandon, you haven't seen most of the filmography of him and I'm sure the others have seen most but not all. And it's kind of like a varied but themed style. For a second one, I'm not going to say a director, but I think you guys, especially leading up to the January release, should do a film based off a Stephen King novel, and then you could end it with the Dark Towers in January. That's it. All right. Bye. All right. So thank you. First off, thank you, Chris. Thanks. We really appreciate you calling in being our first caller. That's awesome. All right. So a lot of good things here. So um, first up, Mark. He asked you when you're going through your when you went through your films for CSSC, um, the ones you didn't like. What did you end up doing with them? Did you keep them or did you get rid of them? Do you, and, and then follow up. Do you generally keep everything in your collection or do you like to get rid of the things you don't like? Yeah, I keep everything in my collection. I consider every one of my titles my children, so I <laughs> I can't part with them, even if they're bad, even if I didn't finish watching it completely. I, I keep them all. Um, I only threw one disc out, and that's because of DVD rot, and that was oh, the right. uh, Laura Croft uh, Cradle of Life, which now I need to get because after 15 years, I need to know how, to, how it ends. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. I, um, so, yeah, no, I haven't thrown anything out. Uh, those that are unliked, I might like them later on down the line when my uh, sensibilities change or if my tastes, you right. know, differ. Because um, already, uh, you know, some movies I liked when I was a kid, I don't like now. Like, have you guys watched Basketball recently? <laughs> no, I haven't seen it recently. But I loved I it. I watched it back when. Exactly. Me too. <laughs> Rewatched it maybe a few years ago. It was horrible. Um, <laughs> oh, so, man. you know, like my sense of humor will change. You know, right now mm -hmm. I went from like the, you know, the teen, oh yeah, pot and booze. And now I'm more the adult, like, ah, oh, you know, parents. And now when I'm older, I'll be like, get off my lawn kids type of humor. So, <laughs> yeah, shit, I, no, I don't like now, I might like later. So I don't get rid of anything, even if I need the wall space. Perfect. And what about you, Ash? Do you tend to keep everything in your collection or do you get rid of stuff as you go along? Uh, I'm a little more picky about what I buy now. Mm -hmm. um, I, I generally do not buy films sight unseen. Um, I I might get one like if I haven't seen it, if it's like part of a collection. Um, but I generally don't get rid of them. I'm, I tend to be a pack rat that way. So. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, I for myself... I have 
recently started selling things just because I was trying to lower my collection. We were hoping to uh, move at one point last year to a small apartment from our house. And so it was a matter of trying to downsize and get rid of shit. Um, we've decided that we're probably not going anywhere anytime soon now, um, which is why I've started buying again. But so I do have like a box in my attic that are, it's a giant box of stuff that I'm getting rid of, still planning on getting rid of. Um, and I did already sell probably three or four big boxes of uh, movies, mostly DVD, some Blu-ray to a uh, local, uh, it's called Disc Replay. It's basically just the resale shop for all type of media. So I uh, have been selling, but you know, generally if I'm not planning on moving anytime soon, I'll probably keep. But uh, if there's something I don't like, then I'll, I'll oust it. You know, I don't, I don't mind getting rid of it if it's going to net me something at the, uh, at Disc Replay. So that's my answer for that one. Yeah, I kind of want to add to mine really quickly. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, I do get rid of some, and that's if I double dip. Um, I'll get rid yeah. of usually the DVD and keep the Blu-ray. But after doing these 30 days in June and then mm-hmm. realizing some of these discs are actually worth a few bucks, I'm going to stop yeah. doing that. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. So I did shed some uh, some kids recently, or I guess in the last year or so, just mm-hmm. because of double dipping, but that'd be the only reason why, and that stops today. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And so thank you for the uh, for verifying that House of a Thousand Corpses does say 1977. Um, and Ash, you were talking about uh, this one. It, House of a Thousand Corpses was October 1977. And Devil's Rejects was when? May, May of uh, 78. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, he, you know, Chris, you're absolutely right. Mark, you, you are absolutely right. So uh, I just I missed it. I, I could don't have been typing. So. <laughs> I, I well, you're that. welcome. Now, can you see in uh, in a more feminine voice? <laughs> just, just, just it's I can laugh feminine, but it's gonna be a, ring, it's a ringtone. <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, so he also put up a couple of great suggestions. So, okay. uh, for a director, he offered up Cronenberg, who he's absolutely right. He knows me quite well. I have cool. not seen uh, many of his works. Think offhand, Videodrome was that Cronenberg? Yes. Yeah, I've seen Videodrome. I think that might be the only Cronenberg I've seen. Which it was. I mean, Videodrome is a fucked up film, but uh, you know, I liked it, and so that's definitely a director I'd like to spend more time with. And he actually has uh, Rabid coming out with the Scream Factory Collector's Edition yeah. later this year, which I have to pick up. I have yeah. to. I have to have that. Yeah. Oh, no doubt about that. And I, th- I just bought something recently from Criterion Collection of his that wasn't Videodrome, something else. Rabbit, was maybe? Sc- was it Scanners? No. You know what? I watched Scanners and I wasn't a huge fan. I watched like the first half of it and I wasn't okay. a huge fan, so I didn't finish it. Oh, it's ah, good. I can't remember. And my Criterion Collection is downstairs, so and whatever. You know, I'll come back to that. One of the scary, scariest posters as a kid going mm-hmm. to the horse section of a video store is the Scanners poster. Michael Ironside oh. all scanned out, about to explode. <laughs> Painted, no floating heads, no Photoshop. Oh, it's one of the first posters I've ever bought. That's awesome. I mm-hmm. wish I, I would have. I want to definitely give the movie another chance because um, I don't know. I just was distracted or whatever and didn't love it. But yeah, I do not like the, the Criterion cover for Scanners. Uh, I think it's oh yeah ugly, but ugly, which <laughs> might turn some people off if you know they you know take a movie by its cover type of thing, right? Um, but you know what? I don't have that many, uh, that many, um, uh, Cronenberg films. 
Like I got more of his recent stuff, like uh, Eastern Promises, and uh, I had uh, Nightbreed for a bit. Uh, I don't know if I lend that out to someone, but uh, to get his earlier stuff, I'd have to I have to buy some, and that's something I'm didn't glad I'd gladly do. Didn't he do the fly with? Um, yeah, you know, I don't, own, I don't even own the fly. Like, I think that's m- the only one of Cronenberg's movies I own. I mean, I've got I've, Nightbreed, but he didn't direct it. So I forgot he did, did, uh, he, did the fly. I've seen the fly. No, uh, Nightbreed was. Um, oh shit! He was the killer. Who the yeah, fuck he was the killer. In it? He's in it, but yeah, he's not. He is not the director. Who the hell was the director for Nightbreed? Then I gotta look that up. It's going to bug me. Uh, I thought it wasn't that was Barker. Yeah, it was Barker. Was it Barker? Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty that sure. was actually one of our lost podcast episodes. We did a whole episode on You're Barker's right. directorial filmography, and we fucking lost the episode. Like, oh. didn't record. Oh man, we were so pissed afterwards. You know, I'm glad but, that it was Barker because that means I have to rewatch it again. I did not. Like it. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I'm not double dipping. <laughs> yeah, it, it's on Netflix. the The director's cuts on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, you know, Cronenberg sounds like an awesome idea. It definitely does. Yeah, and The Brood was the one from Criterion Collection that I picked up recently. Yes. I looked that up. But um, And then the other suggestion of his, mm-hmm. so as most of you will probably know, Dark Towers is coming out in January based on the Stephen King, Stephen King novel. And so he suggested that we do films based off Stephen King novels, which I think is a really good idea maybe for later on, uh, closer toward January. That You know, it's funny. I bought... Uh, the Dark Tower one, the Gunslinger today on my Kindle. Oh, really? Oh, that's it. right. I, I saw your uh, tweet. I, I used to have the illustrated, uh, the illustrated version. Oh my god, I love that book. Yeah, so I'm not sure how much of the movie, uh, or how much of the books the first movie will cover. But I'm like, you know what? I need to start reading this before I start. I before I see the I film. I don't. I see. I haven't. I've heard two different things, and I haven't heard anything else about it. Uh, I haven't heard anything corroborating it. Either they're going to base the first movie off of the the movie off of the book, or the movie is going to continue after the books. Really? Oh. Yeah, that was oh. the two different things I've heard. So I don't know. I don't know which one which one of those is right because well, other than Peter make- Selva being cast for it, I haven't heard yeah. anything else about it. Well, McConaughey's hmm. cast as well as the lead villain, I believe. Oh, is he? Yeah. Um, apart from that, that's all I know. Just because I don't want to know anything about the film, you know, because I want yeah. to see it as is or read the book as is. Yeah, um, I, yeah. Gunslinger, it, like I the fir- like first Gunslinger, I ate up when I was in high school, um, yeah. and then I couldn't get into the the second book at all. Like I I just I couldn't even get through the first chapter. I don't know why. Okay. Um, but uh, but yeah, the the opening sentence, the opening line of the Gunslinger, the man in black. Fled across the desert and the gunslinger followed. That hooked me right there. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah I need to know about this. <laughs> but but no, let's say that they are faithfully recreating the books on film. Is uh, McConaughey and Elba will, like would they be signed to a seven picture deal? And like, uh, and at the same time, like uh, the first few books aren't you know they're thick. They're not really big, but the last three are apparently huge bricks. Well, and that was the thing too. Is originally. The idea for the Gunslinger movies was actually going to be like a couple of movies and then uh, they were going to do like a TV miniseries yeah, and then make another movie and then like a TV miniseries and, and to do like kind of spread it out. It was supposed to be like this big media thing and the whole deal fell apart. Yeah. You know, I, you would think like a series like this would be perfect for HBO after Game of Thrones ends, they do like the Dark Tower series, you know? Yeah. 
I, 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 yeah, you would. I, I would think so. I, and I believe it. HBO had a deal in place for a bit, but then that fell through. Yeah. That's too bad. So I am a Stephen King fan, but I stick mostly to his um, short stories. I love his short story collections. Okay. I, and I don't even know what the Dark Tower is really about. Uh, post-apocalyptic Earth, if I remember right. Okay. Yeah, um, apparently, he read, the, he read the first book when he was 19 years old. Oh, wow. And yeah, then the first, well, the first book is actually, if I remember right, was a series of short stories anyway. Like each, oh. each chapter was supposed to be like a short story. I think that was published in a separate thing, okay. but it was all, t- it was all tied to the gunslinger. If I, if I'm remembering right, I might mm-hmm. be confusing it with something else. Uh, and then they collected it as the, the dark tower, the gunslinger. Yeah. I haven't read, started reading the book yet, but I read the forward and he had a prologue and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. I guess he had written the first four books. They were in prints. And he was taking a break from it. Then he had his car accident, I think in 01. Yeah. You know, where he got hit by a, a minivan. And right. then I guess one of the first books he started, once he was able to start writing again, he really wanted to finish the Gunslinger uh, saga. So that's why books five to seven came out uh, in the 2000s. And um, why they're so much thicker and more, I guess, uh, more of his style because these are books written, you know, him at that time compared to him as a 19 year old teen. So mm. it'll be curious to see once they finish the first four, um, how the others are written in comparison. So right. yeah, that should last me probably next year. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so didn't they just finish filming uh cell or the, whatever that's going to be called based on his novel cell? Yeah, uh, you know what? For some reason, I thought it was going to be a directed video film because I saw some reviews for it on Instagram or yeah. on, pardon me, on Letterbox. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know what the status of that anymore. If it's going to be a directed video, if it's going to be um, like a like a Netflix, I, I'm not sure. Okay, interesting. Like, it's today's John Cusack, so that could mean anything because he's oh. not really the uh, the draw he used to be. A lot of his <laughs> right. uh, stuff goes straight to Netflix, and yeah. it's not good. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. So again, thank you, Chris. You are now officially entered into our contest. And just, I want to give everyone a reminder what this contest is. So uh, again, the contest is open to US listeners only just because of those high shipping costs. So I apologize to everyone who listens outside the US. Um, But that said, in order to enter this ARCS contest, email us, contact at cinefessions.com or call and leave us a voicemail like you heard Chris do at 1-302-448-448. 8255 and give us the name of a director or a writer whose career you would like to hear us discuss in a future uh, potential podcast arc and explain why you chose that person or if you want to do like Chris did you give a theme whatever the case is so we're going to read through all of your suggestions on upcoming episodes as they come in and then we're going to pick our favorite out of the bunch at the end of the arc so remember that the winner will be sent a blu-ray copy of Sex World from Vinegar Syndrome so we're going to pick one winner out of all the entries in an upcoming show and like I said it's most likely going to be during the last episode of this arc. So again, US listeners, email us, contact us cinefessions.com or leave us a voicemail at 1-302-448-8255. Tell us a director or writer whose career you'd like to hear us do a retrospective of on a future potential podcast arc and why, and you'll be entered in for that awesome title from Vinegar Syndrome. And And again, for you Canadians, fuck you. And I can say that because I'm Canadian. Hey. That's that's why we pay you. So unless good. unless you want a copy of Avatar that's been used, and yeah, I double dipped twice on blue, so I got two blue copies of <laughs> Avatar. I'm keeping the 3D version. You can have <laughs> the other one. 
It's got a digital <laughs> copy. It's still good. So two of you can win. But honestly, does anybody actually win in the long run? <laughs> oh, man. So mm. we were talking about books, which is very fitting because, Mark, you were actually given a copy of uh, a book entitled Island Red to review from author Matt Serafini. Um, and yes. you told me that you actually managed to finish that one this week. So um, what were your thoughts on Island Red? Yeah, uh, yeah. Thank you very much uh, to Matt for uh, getting us a copy of the book uh, for review. Um, I've never actually reviewed a book apart from grade six when I had to do book reports. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to be probably vague on this just because I don't want to spoil anything. Um, I'll read the quick blurb that's on Amazon so people get an idea of what the book is about. Perfect. Um, so <clears throat> here we go. It's a species that has been around for 80 million years. It has over 300 teeth in 25 rows to trap its prey. It has very rarely been found in depths above 160 feet, meaning the frilled shark has never posed a threat to humans. Until now, the residents of Crystal Key, Flora, didn't think there was anything to worry about. A missing girl with a troubled past was easy to dismiss, but only the beginning. When fishermen began to disappear and two girls were attacked on open water, everyone assumed the culprit is a predator stalking their piece of the Atlantic. But as the off-season hurricane descends and communications with the mainland are severed, Crystal Key is about to discover that terror doesn't only come from below. So this is Island Red. That was um, a beautiful reading of that, I want to say. Thank you. I didn't pre-read it either, you fuckers. So that was like first <laughs> time bang on. I might have skipped the word just because don't, I do that sometimes. Rehearse. No, there's no rehearsal here. There's planning. There's planning maybe, but there's no rehearsal. Um, so yes, Island Red. Um, I got a Kindle version. Um, it's about 220 pages. Um, you can get it for free if you're subscribed to Kindle Unlimited. Uh, if not, it's a three ninety nine Canadian because I'm Canadian. Um, so it's only probably about uh, three two fifty three bucks US. I'll have to double check for you on that. Also it's available on paperback. Ninety nine cents US. Wow, the dollar really shit the bed, huh? <laughs> Holy shnikes. Anyways, it's four bucks Canadian, a buck US. Um, I think this was a fun summer read. Uh, usually I would be poolside, uh, reading my book, sipping on a, on a margarita and enjoying the sun. Um, because now I'm in Quebec, uh, I was using, uh, the book, uh, to keep me occupied, uh, during my day shifts at work. Um, so I was able to read this within a few shifts. Um, easy flow, um, the, t uh, the cover. And as the prose I read, um, it might involve something underwater. Um, pretty much you find out right away that it is a shark. So right off the bat, I thought it'd be like a Jaws type movie. But then as you deal with the threat from below, something from above comes as well. What is it? It could be a pelican. It could be an eagle. It could be something much, much higher. Um, so I thought this book had great twists and turns. I thought it was going to be something. Then the book goes a whole different direction. Um, Fun characters, um, really interesting subplots. Um, could one or two of them been unnecessary? Maybe, but I do like how it ended. Um, I, I give this a thumbs up. You know, if you're looking for something to read on the beach and you've got a buck, go ahead and pick it up. Um, 
And if you're Canadian, well, you know, you're going to have to, you know, give half your paycheck. But uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> it, it, again, only $4. Um, you can easily, you know, finish this off in a day, maybe two at the most. Um, it kept me entertained during the whole duration. And uh, I'm assuming more might come out of this. I'm hoping that this is the beginning of a series. It kind of read like it was already part of a series but from what i could see online i don't believe it is but this could totally be a start of a saga that i would gladly uh, continue reading so thank you again matt serafini for your copy of island red i recommend this to our listeners and hopefully in the future viewers hell yeah absolutely well Mark, you fucking nailed it. So you just earned yourself the what? official what? title what? of book reviewer here on Cinefashion. So make sure you check your oh. upcoming pay stub for your oh. pay raise because yes. you nailed it. So good oh, for you. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> so as Mark was saying, that one is available on Amazon right now in paperback for $11.95 here in the US. And it's on Kindle. Again, free if you are a Kindle um, unlimited member and a whopping 99 cents for us Americans on the Kindle at Amazon.com. So I'm going to make sure I link to that book in the show notes. So check that one out if that sounds like your cup of tea. So again, thank you to Matt Serafini for that review copy. We really appreciate it. And uh, thank you, Mark, for reviewing that one. You're welcome. You know what this book was? What? You know what this book was? What was it, Mark? It's all playing. Oh, I don't know why it's all working. It's glorious. But my, my, my cue didn't work, so fuck me. <laughs> oh, because you know why? Because my phone's on silent for this podcast. <laughs> Son of a bitch. You want to take that again? What? No, we're not editing it. Fuck <laughs> it. We're, we're real, baby. We're real. Oh, man. All I right. I too much chocolate milk. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm you are hyped up on chocolate milk. Oh boy! You're like an Olympian. Just they love chocolate uh, milk, according to those commercials that I keep saying. So I wish it was a euphemism for something else, but no, it really was chocolate milk. Check out my Instagram. <laughs> Two days ago, it's deleted. So sorry. Oh my god. Yeah. Well, All funny. right, Mark. So what else have you done this week in the world of media or anything else? I really don't care. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, not much, to be honest with you. Since yeah. the last podcast, I was out and about, wheeling and dealing. Um, so, uh, all I really watched was, uh, today's film and, um, I'm not sure what version of the devil's rejects you guys have, but I've got the uh, DVD two disc director's cut of the devil's rejects. Yeah. I watched the director's Unrated, cut. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So did you guys also have a second disc with uh, 30 days in hell, the making of the devil's rejects? I do have that, but I did not watch it. It's like a fucking three-hour documentary or something yeah. I've seen. It's an hour, 44 minutes, and yeah. okay. I so I watched the film, and then I watched that. Um, okay. Did I get a lot out of it? Nah, we'll talk about it later. Okay. But uh, honestly, that's all I, w I did movie-wise. Um, I was able to catch a, a few episodes of Supernatural Season 5. Oops. And uh, that's <laughs> pretty much it. Uh, that's all I watched, apart from reading my book and uh, – you know, making some deals, folks. You yeah. Know, fucking, Did you do any movie moving. buying at all? Uh, I, I canceled an order or two just oh, because yeah. I tend to get excited when I talk to you guys. I'm like, oh, I can buy this, 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 this. <laughs> and then next thing I know, I got a $160 Amazon order that's uh, in pre-order, which of course it's only, you know, $99 for you guys, but it's $160 right. for me because, well, you know, fuck me in the border. 
Um, so I kind of canceled one, um, but I got some on the way. So as soon as I do, check out my Instagram, mnadu02, and uh, I will uh, post pictures of it. Excellent. But uh, apart from you, that, been pretty dry this week. Did you pre-order the Vestron releases? I did. And yep. now, uh, I guess today, they officially released, I guess, uh, the Vestron uh, number five of the series, which is Waxworks and Waxworks 2. Right. Uh, so they released, uh, I guess, um, numbered editions one, two, and five. Uh, Waxworks and Waxworks 2 is not yet available on Amazon.ca, but it is on Amazon.com. Um, I think for like thirty nine ninety nine, but we'll probably be dropped down to twenty seven ninety nine. That's what I pre ordered. I I pre ordered one and two, and that's what I paid was twenty seven ninety nine. Yeah. Of course, each. what is Mark paying on Amazon.ca? Thirty seven dollars and six fucking cents. It <laughs> makes makes no uh, frustrations. Oh, man, I apologize. It's all right, but th- oh, it's like a- for- I'm hoping it goes down to like thirty bucks at least. You know, yeah. But I, I should maybe just order it and then ship it to to one of my buddies that are I'm gonna be in Wasteland because oh okay it's fucking ridiculous thirty seven dollars yeah. and six cents oi yeah the reason I pre ordered it was because I saw that it dropped on twenty seven ninety nine so you're like you know what I'm gonna jump on now and hope it continues to go down because Amazon obviously doesn't charge you until they ship That's and right. they give you the best price from when you pre order it to when it ships so I'm hoping it goes yes. down a little bit I hope so too because you guys sure could use the break money wise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm paying 30% more for my books. <laughs> okay, I'm done with it. <laughs> oh, man. So, what about you, Ash? What did you do this week? Uh, fuck ton. Good. Uh, That's hot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, watched like a season and a half of The West Wing. Um, wow. This is like probably the third or fourth time I've gone through the whole show. So, oh my gosh. Love that show. Like my um, wife was lost. She won't stop fucking watching it. <laughs> uh, except West Wing's good. Oh, I mean. Oh, uh, <laughs> the oh, fucking shit. phone here. Lost is the best damn television show to ever hit the airwaves. And that's a that's fact. Yeah, uh-huh. You can't argue fact. Yeah, yeah. I, I managed to like go through Lost's entire run on television while watching a single episode. So obviously not. Uh, you are I'm missing like the out. Swiss. And remain neutral since I have watched neither. Oh, man. <laughs> okay. I love my chocolate. All right. Well, <laughs> anyway, let's see. Uh, I watched one, two, three, four. There's only four movies besides the West Wing? Okay. I guess it was. All right. So <laughs> I watched four different movies off Netflix. Um, okay. The first one is They're Watching, um, which was a – I didn't realize it was a found footage film when I started it. Um, yeah. But uh, that one was pretty good. Um, it they kind of listed it as like a dark comedy, and I could kind of see it because there are some funny parts to it. Um, but it is it's they they do some interesting stuff with it. Some of the effects aren't great. Um, it's yeah, I mean it's it, they use CG for a lot of some of, for not a lot of it, but like for some of the effects, especially mm-hmm. toward the end of the movie, uh, which makes sense toward the end of the movie once you get to that point. But um, uh, but no, the uh, just the setup and everything and the kind of slow pace. And it made sense that it was found footage because they were they basically like the cameras are involved in one of those. You know, we bought this dump in the middle of nowhere shows and we're fixing it up. Mm-hmm. And and so you see watch you watch like the first segment where, you know, she picks out the house that she's going to live in. 
And, uh, and then they're like, then it picks up with the film crew going there six months later or like a year later. I think it's six months later. Yeah. Six months later. And, uh, they're, they're going out to this place again to see what she's done with it. Uh, so hmm. it, it's, it's, it's that interesting. Cool. That sounds really cool. Yeah. Uh, it, it gets fucked up, <laughs> but it's, <laughs> it's pretty good. The next one I watched was the wave, the waves, a Norwegian. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a Norwegian disaster flick. Yeah. Um, it is. They do have an English dub on Netflix, which isn't terrible, but it's not, the dub's not great either. Um, hmm. But I, the, the action sequences I mean, the storyline's decent and like the characters are kind of cool and everything. Um, but it, if you've seen Dante's Peak, mm-hmm. it is basically the same movie with yeah. a title. Oh, wave. OK. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and, uh, it, um, it's kind of interesting. They get into some of the science behind it and them actually studying it and all that fun stuff. But, uh, the guy, the guy that's the lead in the movie looks like a Norwegian version of Norman Reedus. So, <laughs> so, so, so we're watching the entire movie. We're watching and referring to him as the Norwegian Norman Reedus. Uh, yeah. And he's married to the Norwegian version of Nicole Kidman. Um, so <laughs> in the film. So yeah, now it, that one was actually pretty good. The effects were pretty good. Um, I mean, if you like Dante speak, you'll probably like this. It has the same relative plot, same pacing, you know, similar, similar events type of thing. Yeah. I saw that uh, in Austin last year and I thought the exact same thing. It's a water-based Dante speak. Yep. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, no, there's nothing. I love Dante's Peak. Yeah, um, me too. Yeah, and it's it's a good solid story. And I actually liked all the characters. I was like, holy shit! Uh, you know, I don't hate any of these people. It's amazing. Yeah, and it was hilarious because I'm watching it, but she kept making the thing references by mistake because she kept referring <laughs> to them as Swedish, and then I just looked at her. I'm like, they're not Swedish. They're Norwegian. <laughs> <laughs> Now she's now she's blaming me for making her watch the thing so much. But <laughs> the next two are, are kind of like okay, Deathgasm is the next one I watched. Yes. <laughs> there are parts of Deathgasm I really liked. There are parts of it that are just really fucking dumb. Yep. Um, but uh, it's Deathgasm is basically the the best way I can describe Deathgasm is like um, one of uh, one of uh, was it. Uh, Oh God! Who did the Lord of the Rings movies? Um, Peter Jackson. Mm-hmm. It's like one of Peter Jackson's early horror comedies, mixed with like Tucker and Dale versus Evil kind of thing, oh, and, nice. and it's just it's just absolutely insane uh, horror comedy, and Ooh. it's definitely a comedy. But I and the characters are kind of detestable throughout most of it. Um, it's <laughs> kind of fun, but uh, the I, the effects are they are decent. But the whole idea is this kid who's into death rock. Uh, starts a band and finds sheet music that will summon devils for him. And of course his band plays it and turns half the town into demons. Uh, <laughs> so then he has to go through and kill them all and replace, you know, basically figure out how to send them back. It was kind of fun. I mean, it, but it wasn't like great. It was one of those, you watch it once, you know, it's kind of amusing and then you just kind of set it aside. But uh, that one wasn't too bad. The last one I watched isn't a horror movie, isn't a sci-fi movie, uh, but it had Emma Watson in it, so that's why I picked it. Uh, but it, yeah, it's history-based, um, but it has Emma Watson in it, and it has the dude from Civil War that played Baron Zemo in it. Yeah, um, the guy from Inglourious Bastards. Uh, yeah. Frederick. Uh, Daniel Bruhl, I think. Yes, you're right. Yeah, uh, but the movie's called Colonia. Uh, it takes place in the 60s in Chile uh, during their revolution. 
Uh, there's a military coup that happens, and Emma Watson and her her husband, I get well, husband or boyfriend, one of the two. I uh, they never, I don't think they really go into it, but they're definitely involved in a relationship. Um, but she plays a stewardess, which explains why she's there, and he's like a, a photographer and a graphic designer, uh, and he gets involved with the movement uh, there too for you know to support the president when the military coup happens and they start rounding people up, uh, and he gets sent to like a torture camp. And she finds out where he's being kept and goes there to infiltrate because the torture camp is actually uh, like uh, set up to be like this fake Christian retreat. And it is so messed up. I, and it's really well done. It's a drama and it's got some good moments to it, but it's not a, you know, it's not horror or, or sci-fi. This is, you know, period, you know, a history period piece with some really excellent acting from from everyone involved. Uh, so I, I recommend that that one definitely if you're into that sort of thing. So, but uh, that was it for me. Awesome. Sounds like a good week. Yes. I believe the director of their watching actually um, replied to your tweet about Did the he? movie. <laughs> yeah, I got quite a was few mentions, mentions and likes from uh, cast and crew of the film. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of awesome, right? Hell yeah. It's always fun. That is, is awesome. They're watching. Who directed that? Uh, yeah, I don't know the name offhand and I can't remember it. I was thinking of, I couldn't director, remember it. Okay, there's two directors, Micah Wright and Jay Lender. Okay, I'm not sure which one. And maybe it was the cast, a cast member. I don't even know. I can't remember the name now. Uh, but. I'm looking because I'm curious. I, I was um, Micah Wright liked it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I always get warm and fuzzies when somebody that you know was in a film that we talked about actually likes a tweet or right. You know, uh, like just uh, this uh, last week, um, you know, like I do a, a weekly Cinefessions picture on my Instagram, right? And Robert Mukes actually uh, liked it. Okay. Oh, the Mark. Guy who, yeah, he's the guy who played um, uh, the the brother, um, the one that goes hunting and shoots the car. Oh, RJ. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool, you know. So hell yeah, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Hashtags, you know, if we hashtag, people will actually discover, you know. So it's kind of mm-hmm. cool. Huh. Definitely. Still uh, learning. Still learning. Yeah, the, yeah. The movie account. Movie account liked it too. <laughs> both directors. Both directors liked it. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> very good i'm definitely gonna check that one out though because you know i love found footage so that'll be one i try yeah, to watch this I, week yeah i i actually liked it i was surprised so. yeah <laughs> all right so i'm surprised neither of you seen suicide squad uh money i'm hoping yeah. this weekend i'm hitting a okay. uh, drive uh, drive in on friday night and one of the possible theaters we're going to actually has it playing as a second feature so fingers oh, okay. crossed Cool. Well, I won't. I, I did watch that over the weekend. I won't talk about it here until you guys have seen it, uh, at least one of you. And then um, if you want to hear my thoughts or read my thoughts, rather, you can check it out at cinefessions.com. I posted a, a probably one of my, I don't know, just most odd, I don't know, it was very long winded. It was very schizophrenic, I feel like, but it was my review of Suicide Squad. So it is funny um, because like the reviewers tend to seem to not like it but all yep. the people that would like this type of movie actually did like it so yeah, i'm know. curious to see where i fall exactly but again i like batman superman so i did too. i'm yeah. not hard to please <laughs> right yeah i also watched uh raw last night which um the main event was pretty fun because it was um cesaro. the swiss superstar yeah cesaro versus um Rusev. 
Thank you. Names I mean, are just I, escaping me, apparently. But <laughs> Rusev, yeah. Uh, the ending sucked because there was interference, but, you know, it is what it is. He got a title shot, and that was pretty cool. But um, other than that, I kind of – I wasn't – I was more listening than anything. The opening was great. I love Enzo and Cass, and just hearing Enzo talk was so much fun. So they set up uh, Kevin Owens and Jericho versus Enzo and Cass at SummerSlam. Ooh. I'm just – I'm really excited for the SummerSlam card. I think it's going to be so much fun. I cannot I wait. I think so too. Between, you know, you got NXT on Friday, SummerSlam yep. on Sunday, and then on Saturday night, I've got a local wrestling show. My oh, nice. uh, local C4 promotion, uh, I guess every year they do a cancer benefit because one okay. of their fans uh, succumbed to cancer about oh. five years ago. Um, so they're actually doing a benefit show for cancer research. Um, so I got friends from Toronto coming down and it's going to be a blast. I'm going to be so Hell drunk. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And if you want to know how drunk, you should check out my Instagram because I might do a story at mnado 2 oh, Hopefully this one won't be expired by the time the listeners get to hear it. Uh, uh, possibly. You're going to have to stay up to date, folks. You know, keep, keep refreshing your Twitter feed. Keep checking your Instagram because right. you never know when it might pop up. <laughs> uh, I also started a um, project that I'm hoping to bring on Cinefessions at some point here, um, but I want to get a little deeper into it before I uh, start Divulge. posting anything, you know, yeah, and talk about it too much. But I mean, it's definitely going to have a limited appeal. I'm going to be stretching that cult media tag out to uh, try to justify its addition to the site. But, um, you know, it's going to be wrestling related. So I understand that a lot oh. of people aren't going to be interested um, and that's fine. But hopefully uh, it might bring in some other readers that are so. Um, may, what it may, is. may I ask you a quick question? Mm -hmm. uh, since you won uh, that box uh, of uh, delectables uh, last week, uh, were you yeah. able to peruse any of its contents since? I No, I have not. Not ah. quite yet. Did you? Yeah. No, you haven't because you would have talked about it. But. No, I haven't. But you know what? Though? What we should do is we should uh, go on Skype when we're about to watch it and then talk to each other as we're watching it. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's so funny? I, what, what's so funny? <laughs> Oh my god. We should, right. start with, we should start with corruption. Wait, wait, wait. Are you two going to date? Is that what? <laughs> what? That's silly. No, man. No, that's no. That's silly. You're crazy. You're crazy. No, man. Oh my yeah, god. It sounds like a date to me. What? That's crazy. <laughs> no, man. It sounds like a date to my wife, too. No, so. no, you're both crazy. You're both crazy. Stop drinking that water. It makes you crazy. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, oh, so, yeah, and, and you guys are denying it so hard. Obviously, you're busted. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. that's crazy talk. Anyways, <laughs> in French, it was really is uh, is uh, called uh, les uh, les deval rejeté. Oh, that got real. <sighs> I don't know what the hell it said. You Oof. said, but uh, yeah, I'm trying to change something. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So I, I did I did do some more purchasing. Uh, I bought another of the Scream Factor Collector's Edition releases that I needed. So okay. now I am down to only um, – I only need seven more of their releases that have their complete Collector's Edition set, which I'm really excited about because it's, it's always something fun for collectors is to have a full set. So um, the one up? I ended up – go ahead. I was going to ask you, well, which one did you pick up? Oh, yeah. I picked up uh, the Carpenter film, Prince of Darkness, nice. which – yeah, I was shocked I didn't have it. You know, I thought I had all of uh, Carpenter's releases but um, from Scream Factory, but I missed that one. So I ended up grabbing that one. Um, and just for those that are curious, the seven I need, I need uh, Phantasm 2, Psycho 3, 
Death Becomes Her, The Garbage Pail Kids, The Movie, Army of Darkness, Jeepers Creepers 1 and Jeepers Creepers 2. So then I'll have a full set. I also grabbed the new Scream Factory Werewolf release, uh, Bad Moon. I got uh, Cherry Falls, which is like a 90s slasher that Chris used to talk about pretty often. He likes it. Um, And I grabbed uh, The Sentinel, which, frankly, I don't know too terribly much about The Sentinel. The synopsis sounded good. Um, Actually, all these were from a list that I I happened to find online called the like 20 Essential Scream Factory releases. And these were the few I didn't own, so I grabbed them. But yeah, I know. I'm a sucker. I'm a sucker for a good list. No, those are all actually really decent films that I've never seen that I want to see. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I ended up doing this this past week here. So, with that said, let's move on to continue Rob Zombie's retrospective with a review of The Devil's Rejects from 2005. So, as always, there will be spoilers for this discussion. I imagine there's going to be spoilers for House of a Thousand Corpses and The Devil's Rejects. So, just keep that in mind if you have not watched either of these films. Make sure you pause the podcast, go watch them, and then come back and hit play once again. So, The Devil's Reject is obviously directed by Rob Zombie, also written by Rob Zombie. It has an IMDb score of 6.9 out of 76,223 current votes. It has a Metacritic score of 53, a tomato meter of 53%, and an audience score of 78%. It had a $7 million budget and a gross of $16.9 million, which, for those keeping score, is about $4 million more than House of a Thousand Corpses, and the numbers are a lot higher from the ratings uh, compared to House of a Thousand Corpses. So, hell yes. The Devil's Rejects. Do you, mm-hmm. do you guys want to know what I gave this one? Oh, yes, on IMDb? Uh, yes, I do. When I first saw it. Can we uh, guess again? I yeah, think, please. Yeah. I, think, I think you gave it you know, 11 and a half strokes out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a solid guess. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with that. Didn't you give uh, Thousand Corpses 8? So I, I gave it 9 initially it and nine? then fixed it to 8. Yeah, so I, I think you probably gave it 13 exploding boners. <laughs> I think I think after you rated it on IMDb, oh. people had open had trouble opening the page for a while because the they were stuck together. <laughs> oh, a bunch of assholes! Error four hundred four. Too many loads. I gave it. A, I gave it a ten. I sure did. You sure did. Um, I, I'm yeah. not an asshole. I'm an ashhole. Thank you. Very much. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So, what is your history with the Devil's Rejects, Ash? Uh, I, the first, I watched it for the first time when it hit Netflix, like last year, I think, or was oh, it this okay. year. Yeah. It was whenever it was on Netflix, uh, originally within the last year. And then I watched it again for this. So. Okay. Excellent. And what about you, Ash? What's your history with Devil's Rejects? You, uh, well, you can ask Mark and Mark, oh. will, <laughs> the, the Mark will answer. Um, <laughs> I actually saw this, um, between, I remember this was a Saturday. And uh, I was a guest. I was a plus one to a wedding. Went to the okay. wedding. And then between the wedding and the dinner, there was time to kill. So, <laughs> so me and the the girl. Devil's Rejects? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's so weird because oh. I was dating a girl who was, uh, who was uh, in the medical, uh, I guess she was learning. Well, she's she's going to become a doctor. I guess she was okay. working to get her hours and type of thing. Mm. And we watched this. And 
my reaction, like she loved it. And I was revolted by it. Hmm. I, and I could not understand how she could actually like these people. Um, so, yeah, I think that was the last time we, we actually saw each other because I was like, <laughs> I can't. I was weird, dude. You know, oh, like, no. I don't, like, why would I not like this movie? I had a hot doctor uh, who actually even paid for the movie because I was her plus one. And, like, I didn't want to see her again because she loved the movie. It's weird. I was weird. I don't know. I can't answer it now because. Oh, you know, man. So this yeah. might be your last podcast is what you're saying. No, no, I, all I'm saying is, like I mentioned before <laughs> earlier, the comedies are funny at one time and they're not funny now. Right. I hate the first time I see it, then I, I like it after. So this yeah. could be my last time on this podcast. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. So right at the – oh, uh, my history with the film. I saw this in theaters and I have not seen it since. I've owned it forever since it came out on DVD. I owned it and then I bought it on Blu-ray. Wait, and, wait, wait, uh, wait. You bought it on DVD, never watched it, and then went <laughs> and bought it on Blu-ray because, yes. you know, you watched it so much on yes. DVD. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that is that is a hundred percent accurate. It's kind yes, of funny. It is. You know, you know, some movie industry dude listens to our podcast every week, jerking off just to listen to you. And you go, yeah, I went out and bought this huge list of movies. Oh my god, yes. You know, it, it's funny. Like, it, it is humorous to hear somebody do that, but at the same time, I'm also guilty of doing yeah, that exactly. thing. So I'm gonna laugh under my breath <laughs> and leave it at that. <laughs> oh man yeah yeah i at least watch everything i buy you know, come yeah come on yeah I, I definitely don't <laughs> i wait for challenges to come up so i can do that <laughs> 10 years down the line yeah, whatever you know all right so right at the start we get the the date of set here and so i i didn't miss it this time thank goodness but um the opening credit or the i don't know what you want to call it kind of the opening scroll Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it's going for like this old school Texas Chainsaw style uh, voiceover yes. work, but the way the voice was edited, it made it sound more modern and almost synth than anything else. And I thought that was a weird choice to start the film with. Did that did that bug anybody else? It probably didn't, but I don't know. It hit me in a strange way. It touched me in a funny spot. Yeah, no, it, it didn't. I, I thought it actually set the tone because it was a creepy voiceover. Okay. Which will, you know, meant maybe a little to make you uh, just kind of uneasy, which really is the tone of this film, uneasiness. Oh, absolutely. So I think it sets you on the right path. Right. I thought that didn't do it for me, but the opening shot, excluding this kind of this intro, if you want to call it that. The the first shot we see after the, the exposition credits is a fully nude dead woman being dragged through the woods by Tiny. I mean, it was just a brutal, unflinching image to start a film with. I mean, frankly, for me, I think it was probably worse than anything we got in the whole first film, just in terms of how bleak it was. Um, well, the thing is, you know, it being a sequel, you can't, you know, it's like a sequel to a video game. You know, you play through the game, it gets, it's easy at the beginning, then, you know, at the end it's hard, and then, you know, you get the sequel to the game where it's easy <laughs> at the beginning again. Right. Well, it shouldn't be. It should be as hard as the last level was on the last game. So I kind of feel this is on the same level, but even ramped up. Mm-hmm. Like now we're in the sequel of the film and 
it starts redlining. You know, right off the bat, you're yeah. 200 miles an hour. So, you know, in, in terms of uh, offensiveness and whatnot. So I feel this is kind of the similar feel. Like, we're not going to let you off and slowly, you know, gradually bring you up to the to where we were before. Mm-hmm. This is where we left off. And this is where we're starting this one, you know. Right. Which I kind of like. You know, because you say 15 minutes yeah. of, you know, oh, is somebody there? You know, because you know who's there already. Mm-hmm. So there's no need to hide behind any shadows because it's broad daylight now. And in Absolutely, the desert. Because yeah. I think the hide behind. Well, I think it, one of the things I noticed with this movie is it starts off a lot like House of a Thousand Corpses with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it, they they actually said, late, um, I forget where I read it, but Rob Zombie talked about trying to make this one kind of like uh, Bonnie and Clyde or... Um, I could, uh, got that feel. Yeah, uh, the, the, or the Wild Bunch. That was the mm-hmm. other one. Uh, okay. that they, he listed them as, as uh, his like influences. Mm-hmm. So it, it kind of starts off like House of a Thousand Corpses, but very quickly changes direction uh, with what they were doing with it. So it, it, it you know fits like very like the first one was definitely like the the you know torture horror of the seventies, and this one is more like the you know the road trip movie gone wrong. See, I I would have to disagree with that. I, I disagree with the aspect that it kind of is only is in the beginning because I feel like it's that torture porn feel all the way until they finally kill the family in the hotel and then leave once, you know, Spalding gets there, they get in the oh, van okay. and leave. Well, then I yeah. would agree with it being, uh, you know, like more of a road movie or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I, I don't know. It, for some reason, like the, it, that part, like and up to the, the hotel and when Spalding joins them feels like it goes pretty fast. I don't know. It, it, it does it, go quickly. Just I me. would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. To me, this is like a heist movie where the heist has already happened. They got away. Now they got mm-hmm. caught. They're scrambling it together for one last run to the border. Yeah, I agree mm-hmm. with that too. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Yeah, I mean, like the very opening after you know they have the shootout and and baby and uh, Otis get away. So I mean, they are literally running from the law at that point. So, yeah. and in that opening shootout, how yes. cool was that? Oh, I loved it. Like the, I don't, the I don't want to costume, your your uh, your timeline, but that armor they use it reminded me a lot of that video game Army of Two. You guys ever <laughs> play that? Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. I'm like Absolutely. that armor looked so badass. I, I thought that it. was such a cool shootout. Shot very differently because mm-hmm. Zombie didn't want to do a, a regular style action Hollywood movie shootout. Yeah. So I thought the shots were really tight. Um, they weren't really focused on the gunplay itself, but more focused on the people's faces, which I yeah. really dug. I, it was a, I was pretty badass and a great way to start the film. I think RJ had like, he had almost like this full body costume on, which I just thought looked badass. He did. He did. And what I thought was weird is that they recast RJ in this movie. Oh, did they? Uh, see, I was wondering. Yeah. I couldn't really. You see him for like two seconds, you know. Yeah. Oh, the grandpa. No, no, no that's um, uh, the, brother. The, the brother. Yeah, the the brother Junior. Did they call him Junior? R. J. Oh, might have been Junior. Oh, okay. I yeah. thought they yeah. Junior. I thought they called him R. J. For some reason. Yeah, he dies so quick. I, for, I and he's so little in the house. A thousand corpses. Yeah, I'm forgetting about him. Yeah. 
Well, that's the thing. He's covered during the whole film, right? Or right. I guess during his whole opening sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, like in the uh, original, he's um, – oh, let me just go back here. I just lost it. Um, well, okay, I'll go – in the sequel, it's Tyler Maine, and he's the guy who played the Sabretooth in the first X-Men. Yeah, he's um, also he's also the dude who plays Jay, or Michael in both Halloween remakes. Yeah, that's right. And oh, okay. uh, in the original, it's uh, Robert Mukes. So, um, why they had to switch? Maybe it's just because of stature. Uh, you know, Robert's pretty big himself, but Tyler's like six something. So maybe it's just yep. to look more, um, look scarier in the armor since his face is covered. So it's not really more about expression, but just maybe more like a, a Kane Harder style stature. Right. You know? Um, so maybe that's why they recast it. I honestly don't know why. Oh, the other recasting thing, um, the one there. So there's two stories going on about the, the mama, the mom's okay. recasting. Yeah. Um, one was that she was difficult to work with, uh, which I, I think you were that. talking about last week. Um, mm-hmm. The one I read uh, where going up to this one is that she wanted way too much money. Yeah, that's what I was hearing. Yeah, wouldn't negotiate. And Rob Zombie's like, look, I only have so much money to make this movie. So mm-hmm. yeah. sorry about your luck. I'm getting somebody else. But can we just make note how fucking incredible the new actress was as Mama? I liked her so much better. Yeah, that's Leslie Easterbrook. Yeah, mm-hmm. she was and fantastic. She, if those who don't know the name, was in Police Academy. Yeah, she oh, was. Uh, okay. Oh, God, what was her name? She, she was not Mah- Mahoney's. Callahan. Yeah, Cal- Callahan. Yes. yes. Yeah, mm. and she, I have to admit, she is a much better Mother Firefly than Karen Absolutely. Black. She I seems mean, to love her role. Yeah. Right, yeah. Some of my favorite scenes in this entire film were was the interaction between the sheriff and Mama. God damn, they fucking stole the show from me. They were so great together. The chemistry between them, everything about them. Oh, yeah. God, I love those scenes. And I loved William Forsythe as the sheriff. In he this was one. fucking um, incredible, He's no so doubt. Intense. I, yeah. I met him. Uh, I actually got an 8 by 10 still from the film signed by him. I met him at oh, a okay. wasteland, and he was so cool. Um, That's awesome. Intimidating, but so cool. You know, like he's the guy who played Flat Top and Dick Tracy. You wouldn't have hmm. re- you wouldn't have realized that unless you check IMDb. You know, right? Um, but he is intense to match the intensity of Tom Tolls from the first film. Oh, you God, can tell yeah. they're brothers. They're exactly. Texas lawman brothers, you know? Yeah. The, some of his dialogue in this opening scene is just so damn good. Um, he basically finishes it with, gentlemen, let's do what God made us to do. I mean, it's just so good. It's so lovely, but he makes it sound so badass. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, one question, did the... Obviously, there's a lot – zombie adds in a lot of film grain. Uh, did that bother you guys at all? No. It, not in this one, though. It didn't bug uh, me as much as the first one. Yeah, the, the first only one time- was using – Like the first one was using like visual effects to like polarize it, the pictures, mm-hmm. which I'm not a fan of. But I didn't mind the grit in this one at all. Yeah, I didn't no. either. The only time it got a bit much was when uh, the cops entered the house. They threw the tear gas in the house. Yeah. And it's just like overwhelming how much you can pick up the film game because it's in the smoke, in the fog. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, you know, I didn't have any problem with it. I like that. Now, did you guys – like I didn't read the commentary or I didn't watch the commentaries for the film even though there are two uh, possibly amazing ones. Yeah. Uh, one, it's zombie and then the other one is with Haig, Mosley and Sherry Moon zombie, which oh. I think would have been pretty badass. But I watched the 30 Days in Hell, the making of The Devil's Rejects. Which I think runs longer than the actual film. Yeah. 
the the doc is 144 minutes and mm. the film itself is only 109. Oh um, my god. So I watched the doc thinking it would be more insight than the commentary and it was pretty much them showing all three days of shooting and just interactions and stuff they did which honestly was kind of boring for 144 minutes. Um <laughs> Now, do you guys know what happened to Grandpa? Like, the no. actor passed away before the opening of the first film. Okay. But there was no mention, no recast uh, in number two. So, I'm wondering if anybody knows if, there, if there's a reason why he wasn't written in the second film. No, I, I don't have an answer no. for that one. No, uh, I, I don't either. I'm guessing Zombie probably just wanted to let it go rather than recast him, maybe. Yeah. Well, did you guys watch the deleted scenes at all during this film? I did, yes. No, I didn't. You did. Okay. So in the deleted scenes, because um, I did not watch them, but okay. in the in the documentary, um, you'll see in the background there's a headshot of Rosario Dawson. She's not in the movie. She well, she's in. She's featured highly in one of the deleted scenes. Yes, she has and dialogue and everything. I had no idea because, like, yeah. okay, there's no Grandpa. There's no Doctor Satan. Yeah, yeah, Doctor Satan. Do, should I tell you? Do you care? No, it's well, spoilers. I, I, but as well, long as you guys I, don't care, the I, audience I knows the, there's going to be spoilers. Okay, go yeah, for it. Doctor Satan, uh, like, basically rips out her throat in one of yes. the deleted scenes in the hospital and kills her. Yeah, so I guess he was taken during the police uh, stage yeah. because you know the two t- the two main cops are there, mm-hmm. and then she is, and then she gets her throat ripped, and she is covered in blood. Yeah. Um, why did they take it out? I don't know. It's too bad because like Doctor, uh, they cut the Doctor Satan scene because uh, Zombie wanted to make this one less comical and over the top, and uh-huh. he felt that he felt that Doctor Satan was dragging the film too much into the over the top kind of comical horror end of things. Well, it, it doesn't is, make sense. It is over the top, but I think the comical part actually comes from the dialogue between the police officer. And uh, the nurse, who is Rosario Dawson's character, they're okay. kind of like hitting on each other. Well, the cops hitting on her, and they're kind of being funny. And then all of a sudden, boom! Doctor Satan takes her, all, you know, out. Well, I mean, really? it is. Oh, that part's over the top, but I feel like the humor is kind of before that. Okay. At least for me, at least that's how yeah. I. It, he, okay. Yeah, he wanted to try to make this one a little less. I. Uh, yeah. Campy, maybe. Yeah, I, I know guess. What you mean. Yeah. And. Sp- because we're talking about it, we can talk about a couple of the other deleted scenes. Um, so uh, Barryman is in this one. Um, yeah. What's his first? John Barry? No, you know who I'm talking about. Barryman. Michael Barryman. Michael. Yeah. Yeah. He and I think he's great in this. But there are like four scenes that have him in extended dialogue that are that are cut out, and so okay. I feel like. So Zombie makes the choice to cut out a majority of the Barryman character, which. I can see I see why because it doesn't it doesn't add to the overall film very much mm-hmm. um and some of his scenes are quite humorous. He has this one scene where he's talking about how he likes to take an ear of corn and how the the end of it, you know, how like an ear of corn has like the yeah, string at the end. Yeah. He says, you know, they like that. That's like a French tickler. And then he's talking about how he puts it in and spins it. And it's just, it's disgusting, but it's fucking hilarious. And he's literally talking about fucking someone with an ear of corn. I mean, it's, it's pretty funny, but I can see where they took it out. But I thought it was interesting how much of a bigger character Barryman was when they were filming. That's interesting. I did not know that. Yeah. Um, I think that's all I wrote down with those. There was a really long scene 
of Otis and the the hooker when they're at um like the I don't know what I can't remember what it's called, but like the yeah, where the uncle is. Yeah, um, what what was that called? Um, <sighs> yeah, I just can't fucking remember. Whatever um, the the OK Corrali place. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's like a really long scene of them like kind of getting into the act of having sex. That I'm glad they cut. I mean, it, it was funny, yeah. um, but it was completely useless, and I thought it was way over long. But now that prostitute, do you know who that is? Uh, you know, you're gonna tell me, and I'm gonna remember. Um, I but I I can't offhand. So that's E.G. Daily, which okay. the name itself doesn't really ring a bell until you look at right. MDB. She does a shit ton of voiceover work, and she's mostly known for Rugrats. Oh, yes. I did look that up. I completely forgot about that. I was surprised. <laughs> Me too, because I'm like, yes. that, that face doesn't look familiar, but I've heard that voice before. Right. Exactly. Yeah, she does a whole ton of kids, uh, kids programming, which I think is <laughs> hilarious because of what she's in right now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that when we get Michael Berryman, you get Ken Forey, uh, Diamond Dallas fucking Page, the pro wrestler, yes. uh, Danny Trejo, uh, PJ Souls is in the scene with the little boy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's just, it's just such a, I love the cast, man. And then obviously yeah. Sid Haig, Bill Mosley, you know, you can't go mm-hmm. wrong there. I mean, I just, I, I love but that part you, of it. You got Jeffrey Lewis, you've got uh, Bill, mm-hmm. uh, pardon me, Brian Posehn. Yeah, um, I was so got- surprised to see him. You've got uh, Lou, is it Lou Thomas? Lou Thompson? Yeah, you'll know more from uh, his role on the, uh, the Walking Dead in season three. Lou Temple, that's it. So Lou Templeton as well. Uh, Priscilla Barnes, who was on Three's Company, is on it. You know, like, yeah, there's some really cool casting in this film. Absolutely. And not, like, not cameos oh, for cameos' sake. Okay, he was Axel. Axel, okay. I was like, who the hell was he in The Walking Dead? I couldn't remember him. Okay, yeah. Yeah, right? Uh, yeah, so like, there's a lot of well-known act. Like Ginger Lynn plays a scene with uh, Captain Spaulding in the dream sequence. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, and one name. I'm like, what the fuck? Mary Woronov? Uh, um, you would know her from uh, Prison of Gogo, and she was in um, she was in uh, Terror Vision, and she was... Okay. Charlie's Angels. At Knight Rider, apparently. Okay. Um, well, so she's a well-known, like, 70s, 80s actress. She was in House yeah. of the Devil, the first uh, Ty West film. Well, yeah. I'm like, okay, I see her name flashing. What is she in this movie? She is the, wrist, I guess she's the waitress that gets killed when Otis and Baby steal her car. You know when Baby's oh, on the ground? Oh, yeah, at the beginning. Yeah, so she gets stabbed to death, right? I wouldn't have known mm-hmm. that because it didn't look like her at all. Yeah. So... Tons and tons of talent in this film. Right. Uh, I think, yeah. I mean, Hero Zombie does an excellent job with, with his casting here. Oh, yeah. Casting is bang on. Yeah. Speaking of that moment, I love that moment uh, of that waitress getting killed. I mean, it's just – so, first off, you have like – it's this is basically the main title credits. Um Baby and Otis start making their way downstairs, and then the song, uh, you know, I got one more silver dollar. That one, I don't know what it's yeah. called, but you know, Midnight it, um, starts playing. Midnight. Yeah. Okay, yes, thank you. Um, I love that song. I am such a sucker for licensed music in my horror films. I, I, I admit it. I love it. Um, and then, like, you have the moving image. And then it pauses, and then when a new credit comes on, and then it goes again, and then pauses, and they do a yes. really good job of that because baby's in the street, 
the waitress comes up and it pauses. And for the second it pauses, you can actually see Otis starting to come up on the waitress. And then they keep showing it and Otis is kind of running closer and closer. But it's just really cool effects and it, effect and it climaxes with them, you know, stabbing the lady and killing her. Yeah. Um, when she starts checks on him in the middle, checks on baby in the middle of the, the road there. And I just, I, I, I thought that was a really cool moment and quite effective. I think it, it was interesting too that a lot of the stuff he has in this is like Southern rock bands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like he decided, I'm going to do all Southern rock for this. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I dug the score that they use for this film. Like the, the license yeah. of music works perfectly. Mm hmm. Yeah, so we get <laughs> quite a different introduction to Captain Spaulding in this film than we got <laughs> oh in the God. last film. Yeah. Um, God, so one, it was weird because we're watching a clown have sex, which is just fucking strange. And then his teeth were like the most disgusting teeth I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. It, it's funny how, how his teeth got worse in the sequel, <laughs> but Mother Firefly's yeah. teeth got better. Right. So like, honestly, uh, I'd probably kiss Mother Firefly. I was a police officer in 1978 in prison cell. <laughs> um, but if I was a female prostitute in 1978, I would not bang Captain Spaulding. Right. Yeah. Because oral hygiene is important. <laughs> My favorite part is because he obviously it's a dream and he wakes up and his his wife or girlfriend or whoever it is says, you know, what's the matter? Bad dream. And he goes, ah, 50 50. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. Oh, man. Because obviously the dream ends with the gun being pointed at his face. Mm-hmm. That's so good. But I, I'll admit, I completely forgot that Captain Spaulding was daddy. Like, I, when she said daddy on the phone, I was just like, holy shit. Like, that aspect of it was, I just, I completely forgot about it. Yeah. And then did the you guys way- remember that? I hadn't, honestly, because uh, yeah. they don't really touch on it in the first movie. At all. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, he's her, he's her dad. Like, uh, wow. Yeah, we know <laughs> there's, there's a link somehow just because of the exact end of the film, right? Where he picks up the girl at the end and then Otis is yeah, in the back Yeah, exactly. But uh, I can only assume it was her dad. You know, I didn't think it'd be her uncle. Um I didn't. I so thought that they super, would. I wasn't super surprised. More than yeah, I wasn't super surprised, but they did. Uh, you know, uh, just because it was a link at the end of the first one, I assume he was in there somehow. Yeah. So I really liked the the group of people that we met at the hotel. Um, I think they were the the closest thing to relatable that we'd gotten to any up to that point in the film at all, and frankly probably the entirety of the film. Those are the only really relatable characters. Um, and uh, and like you were talking about, Brian Posen, I mean, I just love that he was in it and the guy cracks me up. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so I, I like them. And so me obviously too. that's intentional because now we're going to pick them off kind of one by one as, as the movie continues here. Yeah, you but. know what? I, I, I liked the band. I liked the, mm-hmm. the hotel setting. But yeah. I hated what they had to go through. I just, oh, yeah. I just didn't like that sequence of events at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that, intentionally, this, you're not supposed to. This, yeah, yeah, sorry, this part of the movie kind of like, kind of falls apart for me. Yes, me too. Just because it's, it, it feels like they were like going somewhere decent with it, and then they, they it's like, oh well, we we've got to fall back into the torture porn thing, because this scene, these these like sequences here. Just does not, yeah. It's just like, okay, yeah, this is a little too much, you know. You guys are, yeah. 
I don't know. It, I mean, it's definitely difficult to sit through. I would absolutely agree with you there. And it, it, to me, it, it makes this, you know, the Firefly family a much different group of people than we see in the first one. Uh, Ash, you would disagree, but Mark and I, you know, we were kind of rooting for the Firefly flam- family in the first film. Yes. Whereas after this scene happens, like I, when the two, when the guys go out and he picks up the wood and hits Otis, like I was cheering, like I wanted them to get away. Uh, I wanted Otis to lose. And so I'm not, I'm no longer rooting for this family. Uh, but I think, which is interesting, uh, because yeah. I thought in the first movie, we weren't, we're not supposed to, I didn't think we were supposed to like them at all. Uh, in this one, uh, in the, in the, in the sequel movie, they're kind of like the antiheroes that we're supposed to be rooting for. <laughs> yeah. yeah. See, that's so, weird. I'm complete opposite. And, and you know what? It, it was at that point where I'm like, yeah, I don't like these people. I mm-hmm. am no longer dating a doctor because of you guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, it's man. like, yeah, I, I completely despise them. And at this point, I was pro-Texas lawman. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I was rooting for the sheriff to, for the rest of the film. Mm-hmm. Okay. I do have to say that Sherry Moon Zombie was a lot less annoying in this movie than she was in the first one. Agreed. I love her in this one. I agree to on that. Yeah. And I was talking about the dance I thought she did in this one. I, I was mistaken because I didn't see the dance. I think it might be Halloween or Halloween 2. But um, yeah, so anyway, there's that. But um, yeah, so like, you know, why why do they even need to attack this family? What is the reason? I'm going to answer my own question. I think there is none, but that's just who poor. these people are. Yeah. I think like, they were forward waiting for Captain Spaulding. Exactly. And so what do they do? They do the most sadistic fucking thing they can think of because that's who they are. And I think that's uh, interesting to to watch on film. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. it's not well, it's not I think the only thing that they re- that Otis needed them for was a car to go get his weapons that he'd buried. Yeah. I right. Yeah, well, they already exactly. had a car. They drove up in a car. I, well, yeah, but they had a car that um could be identifiable on the road yeah but then they take the the band's car that has like the name of the band on the side that, of that's thing. just true too but <laughs> well, at that point no one knew who they were and right right um, well i think as well I, otis was a bit lazy and wanted the guys to dig up the guns and then yeah, yeah i think that was probably the other part of it there yeah. yeah but the um yeah the way he treats the the characters is just despicable it's it's difficult to watch i mean it's it's a rape scene without it's a, it's a rape scene but not in the traditional sense <laughs> you know just as just as disturbing would fuck up you know the people involved i'm sure in 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 the same similar way you know it's just to me gross it's like, it's to like, watch it's like uh psychological molestation yeah you know? yeah that's a good way to put it yeah because like in the act there's no sexual act that took place but Nothing but denigration. Is that a word? Degradation. Degradation. There we go. Um, You know, like they got degraded to the nth degree. Like they're they're traumatized up to that, you know, if if you survive, of course. But uh, as we we go along, you know, you realize that ah, nobody will survive this. I know. It was crazy. So, like, that's one part of the film that I always remembered um, is so. The surviving girl is wearing a mask again. So we get another skin mask like in the first one. So that's good character continuity that continues. Um, Yeah, exactly. And uh, so she, you know, 
is running out of the hotel room trying to get help, gets to the street, turns around and is just decimated by a semi-truck. It's just like, why? Because Rob Zombie wanted that character to die. It's kind of cool. You're getting smoked by a... By a by a semi, you know, wearing a mask yeah. of your dead of your dead husband, you know, like right. It's pretty fucking awesome, and it reminds me a lot of Texas Chainsaw, you know, yes. uh, the girl like you know screaming, you know, like why yep. couldn't she take off the mask? I don't know, maybe she was bound I, I or have something. No idea. Who who knows? But she's so right. psychologically fucked up that she's just wailing, having you know, tasting yeah. her husband's face. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's. I have to admit, her running out wearing mm-hmm. the checkered shirt, like, that's a yeah. pretty cool scene. Oh, yeah. It's very memorable. And then, like, they use the shaky cam at the beginning there, which is just very effective use of that technique, yeah. which I know it's overused a lot, but that it's used correctly, yeah, I think. It wasn't overused there, I don't think. Right. Right. Yeah. So it just gives that frantic energy, the frenetic yeah, energy, it, frantic. It just, whatever. it just framed a pretty sweet scene. And uh, mm-hmm. you have to kind of chuckle because how absurd it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, remember like the, uh, the gore effects? Holy shit. It looks so good after she got hit with like the way they had her body, what came out of her body. I mean, it was just, yeah. it was fucked up, but it, they did a really good job with it. Yeah, the the special effects crew on this film really shot out of the park. Between mm-hmm. just uh, the the appliances that they used, the armor that they yeah. built, and even the effects guys putting all the squibs in the house in the opening shootout, you know, right? There's no fucking yeah. CGI guns in this one, which makes it so much better. You know, very little CGI blood, like the knife that uh, Priscilla Barnes gets stabbed with. That baby throws a knife at her. That's mm-hmm. obviously CGI, and you can tell. But right. most of the film feels like a film of that era. Yeah, yeah. That's what I love about that. Yeah. Didn't he um one of these he had to use CGI because they wanted to use practical effects, but they didn't have the time or the money, I think. Hmm. Oh, it's possible. Uh, a very it was a very low budget film. Seven mil. Which you know what for it's seven million? It's the same what's that? No, I was gonna say for seven million, it does not look like yeah. a seven million dollar film. No, right. it's not. I, I'm sure a lot okay. went into casting. Mm-hmm. Well, that and the this film feels leagues better shot wise than House of a Thousand Corpses to me. Yeah, just yeah. It, it feels this feels more like a professionally made film as opposed to the other one that where it feels like it was just kind of thrown together last minute hmm. to me. Yeah, and the the other one. Okay, let me rephrase. House of a Thousand Corpses feels like a really long music video. This one feels like a movie. Agreed. I totally agree with that. I find that he has, uh, I don't know how it's matured, but he has made himself a better filmmaker between his first and second film. By far, he's learned yeah. a lot from his mistakes. And Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, You can totally see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I would definitely agree with. Absolutely. But I won't talk badly about House of a Thousand Corpses. So. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hey hey you lowered it a whole star rating on imdb after last week so i know that's true that's true i still gave it three and a half out of four stars hey you know what you know what though yeah my wife just pointed this out the sequel completely disproves your theory about letting them go after in the first movie that's not who the the family is they were never gonna let them go oh you're talking to mark okay you're right i i agree with you on that 
Uh, That's showing, interesting, yeah. Like, the first one was more of a, a comedic brutality, but uh, this movie here is more of a gritty, realistic brutality. Right. Yeah. yeah, and it's just so fucked up. Yeah. Well, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, that the, the family was never going to let them go. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, I think as this one proved to me, even more so than the first one, how excellent Bill Mosley was at this as playing Otis. Yeah. Yes. I mean, he's so committed and it's just it's although, effective. Although I do have to say in this one, he feels like a very different character. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would agree with that. The makeup or just the way he decided to play him or maybe because it was around Halloween, he was different around Halloween in the first movie. That's what uh, I was like. We don't get too much of him outside of his rants in the first film, where we here we kind of get more of uh, you know the man as opposed to the guy who's ranting for the camera. Yeah, which a yeah. lot of it he's filming, you know, in the first film. But he's given uh, a bit more to chew with this time, and he mm-hmm. does seem like a different character. Like he just looks better in the first film. He almost looks sickly. Like he's got a mental health problem. Yeah. He's he's cooped in. He never leaves. You know, his skin's so pale. His eyes are bloodshot. He's got that red hue. And this in here, he just looks like a, a like a a Texas outlaw, you know? Yeah. Where he'll rant because he likes to hear himself talk, but he actually mm-hmm. thinks he's a badass. In the first one, yeah. he's got delusions. In this one, he, it's like he knows, you know? Mm-hmm. And he acts like he's got a purpose. Right. You know? And that makes it that scarier to me. I totally agree. A motivated psycho is a scary psycho. Right. Hmm. Uh, one thing that bugged me, a couple of things that bugged me is, uh, one, when the two guys took down Otis, I couldn't believe that they weren't able to get his gun or that the other guy wasn't able to take the gun from the ground where he was holding it that whole time. And then kind of the same thing happens. The girls, when when the girl got baby's gun, the fact that she didn't just pull the fucking trigger blew my mind because they knew that these people weren't fucking around. They literally brought the friend in and shot him in the head right in front of him. Yeah. I mean, at that point. Are you not just pulling the trigger as soon as you touch the gun? I still think it's shock. They're still in shock that it's actually happening to them in the first place. Um, yeah, you know, as, especially for the girls. For the guys, well, they're big talkers. You know, like I once played with Johnny Cash and he shook my hand. That's his come <laughs> to fame. These guys are kind of pussies. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they, they're not fighters. You know, they're entertainers. Right. Um, and they've never come across a guy like Otis before. Like Otis mm-hmm. could I think Otis would have easily kicked his ass uh, kicked their asses even if they were armed to begin with. Those guys really didn't stand a mm-hmm. chance. And that fight was brutal. It was yeah. such a good fight. It reminds me of uh, a scene we're gonna see in um Halloween coming up here. Oh. With the stick to the head. Oh, well this the stick to the balls made me cringe. I could feel <laughs> yeah. like I, I had to go take a piss. <laughs> like I think Did you mostly, piss blood? <laughs> it was yeah. a mixture. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Mosley, I think he was kind of creepy in the other one. This one, he scares the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually got chills when he says the line, I am the devil and I am here to do the devil's work. <laughs> I, I wrote that one down too, yeah. I just, that the way he delivers that, it's just like... Okay, yeah, I don't want to be. I don't. I would not want to be anywhere near you. Yeah, like he's not lying. It's just a matter of fact. He is the devil. That's just the way Mm -hmm. it is. And it's like, fuck. I believe you. Okay. Yeah. Um, one character I absolutely loved who plays a really small part was the movie critic, (laughs) the Marx brother brothers expert. 
God damn, I thought he was funny as hell. And then when the sheriff just like goes nuts on him when he talks bad about Elvis, <laughs> I thought that was fucking hilarious. And that's the first time you see the sheriff actually lose his temper. Because so far, yeah. he's got that cool, calm uh, fa- uh, facade, you know? And yeah. you yeah. speak ill of Elvis <laughs> Aaron Presley. Well, holy shit. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, and they kind of, in one of the deleted scenes, they kind of make more about the fact that he is, I don't know that they necessarily talk about Elvis, but that he is a fan of music, I guess, in one of the deleted scenes. Okay. But, uh, yeah, no, that was a cool scene. I hated the movie Critic, but that was mm-hmm. Zombie's take on I Critics, I guess. Maybe it's, it's, <laughs> a, it's, a, it's a reply back to all the bad uh, Critic reviews he received. Or maybe that's just what he thinks of Critics <laughs> in general, movie and music-wise. Right. You know, because his cup of tea is not for everybody, right? So, oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so I thought it was kind of funny, but at the same time, I hated that, that character. Oh, I cracked me up. Now, if it's true, which I don't know it is, I didn't do the research okay. myself, but if the, if it is in, true fa- uh, in fact true that all these character names are from Marx Brothers movies, did you guys know that? Like, I had no idea. No, I'm not a fan of the Marx Brothers. Um, so I, okay, I, I yeah, I haven't aware. spent much time with them. Okay, yeah, I was just curious. No, no idea. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I found, I remembered your favorite line. Tootie fucking fruity. Oh. You know what, though? <laughs> it wasn't as bad oh as I remembered it no, to be. No, it wasn't bad at all. I remember it. Yeah. Them arguing over the ice cream cracked my shit <laughs> yes. up. Oh, my yeah. God. It was a human moment in their escape from the yeah. law, you know? Yeah. We get uh, so much more interplay between the, the siblings, and I yeah. love that. Tootie fucking fruity. <laughs> I thought Tom Tiles was excellent again in this one, even though he has like that really small like cameo, basically, the dream mm-hmm. sequence. Um, I really need to check out his filmography and watch more of him because I think he's just so damn good and I have not seen enough of him. The only other film I can remember him uh, me watching was uh, Henry Por- uh, Portrait of a Serial Killer. Oh my fuck, you are absolutely yeah. right. I completely forgot that was him. He's fucking amazing in that. I- He's also in the 1990 Night of the Living Dead remake. Right. Yeah, really. I forgot about that. He's the father too. of the kid that gets bitten. Um, but when yep. it comes to Henry, oh that movie chilled me so much. I've only seen it the one time. I bought it and I watched it once, mm-hmm. and it's still with me to this day. So that'd be a, a fun is. one to revisit. Yeah, it is fantastic. I love that movie. I think I just rewatched it. It was either last year's Cinefashion Summer Screams Challenge or maybe the year before. He was um, in The Rock. Man. Are you shitting me? Really? Who the hell was he in The Rock? Ooh. I have not seen that in forever. I think I actually never even seen that yeah, all the oh, way through. Movie. Only but I don't think he was a bad guy in the film. I don't remember being a henchman. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to find him on the uh, cast thing. While you're searching there, um, let me... Mama's murder. So he has that dream sequence and then decides that he's not going to... Um, you know, arrest these people. He's going to murder them and then walks into the jail cell, tells the other police officer that he can go home mm-hmm. for the night and then basically has like a sex scene, but via a knife to the stomach as opposed to how you would normally yes. have sex. I thought that was an excellent you know, scene. He took obviously his, fa- uh, his father, his uh, brother's death very personally. And uh, mm-hmm. this, you know, after that first chink in the armor where he yells at the uh, movie critic, now is yeah. starting to spiral into madness and down to the yep. same level as uh, the rejects. 
when right. he kills Mother Firefly up close and personal. Like this was a personal <laughs> yeah. kill. This is like this is from my brother, you son of a bitch. You know, um, mm-hmm. very sexual. Even though there's not the right type of penetration, um, she yeah. seemed to enjoy it until I the know. second it like shock. And I think she got an enjoyment out of it because he was able to, or she was able to turn him. You know, yeah. like he says, wins. right. I think if I remember the sheriff, he says something to baby when he has him all tied up, something like, you know, that your mom or I guess orgasmed uh, as he was stabbing right before she died, like something along those lines. Like, I mean, that's (laughs) what a thing to say, but man, yeah. I mean, just so fucked up. It is. He, he's at the point of no return. Now he's on his own getting these guys. Mm hmm. There was a really cool uh, montage of like the family doing drugs and dancing around and then mixed in with the sheriff having his taxi driver moment Mm -hmm. where he's like talking himself up in the mirror. And I thought that was a really, really well done scene. I thought so too. Again, with the music was, it was a perfect song for the, uh, for the dance montage slash psych up, you know, and then him getting uh, Mm -hmm. DDP and Danny Trejo to, uh, to infiltrate uh, the ranch while uh, they're partying, you know? Uh, right. Very cool. Again, very cool, very 70s feel to it. Um, yeah. Which makes up very- makes up for that really shitty scene earlier with uh, Charlie and um, – and uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, ah, shit. Sorry, guys. Uh, what's uh, Barry Man's character, Cleavon? When Cleavon and Charlie go getting the chickens – and the whole oh my the whole god fucking what, see that's another moment of like what the fuck what? zombie what was the point right. of that a part of just setting up Wydell and Charlie you know yeah and that's a lot of Barryman scenes that's why most of them got but cut but the chicken fucking wasn't of all scenes I know exactly and and the guy selling the chicken was just disgusting just, yeah, man just gross playing the whole inbred redneck stereotype right you know? <laughs> oh man Okay, well, the reason I wouldn't have remembered Tom Tolls from uh, The Rock was because he was playing one of the unnamed park rangers at Alcatraz. Oh, jeez. Oh. Okay. <laughs> that makes <Yep>. sense. <laughs> yeah, so you were talking about that where DDP and, and Trejo come in and they take out some of the, you know, that kind of murder scene there. It was very reminiscent of what we got in the first film because it was another slower country yeah. song during a massacre. And I thought that was really cool. I loved it the first time, which I think was better the first time. It was longer, had more of, uh, more mm-hmm. to do, more deaths. This one, I think, only had like two deaths, really. To, and then just kind of stopping everybody. Admit, the laugh that DDP gives or look on his face after he kills um, the older prostitute that was a baby, he's got yeah. this weird look on his face. I'm like, that's exactly mm-hmm. what a guy of his repute would actually do. You know, like, right. it was, that was, a, I don't know why that sticks in my mind, but I'm like, that mm-hmm. is such an awesome shot. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. It's so quick, too, but it is I very memorable. Do yoga. <laughs> oh, I hope, I hope people get uh, that joke. To those that do, you're welcome. <laughs> to those that don't, fuck you. <laughs> Your dollar's better than mine. So. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. So, now, you guys were with me on the Tarantino-thon, so hopefully you can kind of help me okay. remember. But 
there was this moment when the sheriff lets baby go and uh, he pours the gas and then he tosses the lighter. The way that zombie shows the lighter being tossed to the gas and kind of like a slow motion spin, mm-hmm. it reminded me of a scene straight out of Pulp Fiction where Tarantino, he basically romanticizes the flame like like zombie does here. And I remember we talked a little bit about, I can't picture the exact scene, but am I crazy? Or do you guys remember something like that from, from Pulp Fiction as well? The, the uh, heroin shoot up scene. Yeah. That's what I thought it was. Okay. Yeah. I was yeah, going to go back and watch it. But he I does didn't. it like this kind of like dark lit background and yep. yeah, he kind of does it almost exactly like a sex it. scene. See? Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly I got a different reminder from that. I was thinking okay. more inglorious bastards. When they're gonna uh, yeah. lighting the uh, the lighter to uh, set up uh, all the nitrate uh, film on fire. Oh my god, you're yeah, absolutely that's, fucking that's, right. That was yep. my recollection of it. Um, I, yeah, Pulp Fiction didn't come to mind. It was that scene that came to mind for me. Huh. That's fascinating. Either way, it was very Tarantino, and I think we would all agree with that because we both thought of uh, all three of us thought of Tarantino you know, films. Pulp so. would probably be the better uh, reminder in this case, just because that was ninety uh, four. This is two thousand five, and Gore's was until two thousand nine. So, uh, yeah, true. So yeah. it, it's probably more of an homage to Pulp Fiction, um, or maybe Tarantino stole the shot for his. Who knows? Yeah. Tarantino doesn't <laughs> no. usually steal things, so right, yeah. <laughs> No, no, no. He, he, he uses a pastiche. <laughs> it's a reimagination, let's say. Right. Uh, I stole yeah. that from another podcast. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm glad you guys had a uh, similar experience, though. <laughs> okay. So I, I completely forgot about Tiny until he showed up again at the very end. And I love the moments leading up to his return with the sheriff trying to kill baby. He's strangling her again, up close yeah. and personal. Um, there's slow motion. He, he just whipped baby's face um, with this strap. And then tiny picks him up and just snaps his neck and it's done just mm-hmm. like that. I mean, it was just so brutal. I love and that. You know, scene. If it wasn't for his thirst of vengeance, you know, mm-hmm. him releasing baby, yeah. he would have gotten away with it and killed them yeah. all. You know? No problem. Exactly right. But uh, and just just him capturing all these guys and then the brutal attacks he inflicts on them in their seats. Mm-hmm. Like those nails yeah. in Otis's hands oh, were brutal. Uh, the pistol right. whippings uh, were brutal. Uh, the cattle prod. Mm-hmm. Whoo. Like, oh. he, like yeah. he fucked up the devil's rejects. And mm-hmm. as a viewer, as myself being the viewer, I was cheering him on. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they absolutely. Deserve everything yeah. they got. Yeah, they deserved everything, and I was, I was. It sucked when he let her go just to hunt her down. I'm like, why would you do that? That's like gold. It's like a, it's like a Bond villain putting the laser, but you know, it's slowly going up the 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 board to to his crotch. You know that Bond's gonna get away. <laughs> Same thing with this. You know, nothing good's gonna come out of it for him. You know. Right. But, uh, yeah, yeah, no, I was rooting for him the whole time. I still think casting was part of it because William Forsyth is a pretty badass motherfucker. Yeah. So I was kind of rooting no him as a character as much as I was rooting for the character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I Tiny decides to stay and walks back into the yeah. house, which is on fire. And then you see the explosion. I mean, I thought that was very interesting that Tiny decides essentially just to kill himself. Uh, I don't think he killed himself. 
I, I don't think he's dead. I, I really do. Because they said, you know, we'll come back for you type of thing. So he's probably got a hidey hole somewhere, you know, in the basement of the house. And him being all burnt up, probably he's, his nerve endings don't react to, to pain as much. So to him, it's just to get uh, to get to his spot and then wait for the guys to come back. I didn't. I didn't yeah. think he was. I, gonna, mean, I didn't think he died at the end. That's one way to take it. But I definitely thought okay. he died. Fair enough. Yeah, just the explosion. He walks in, and not three seconds later, there's an explosion that comes out the door that he just walked in. Yeah. Um, that's that's. I take it as he died. What about you, Ash? Um. Yeah, I don't think Tiny made it. Uh, if they did do a sequel, I don't think they would have had Tiny in it anyway because the guy who yeah, played him died. Right. Yeah, exactly. They have his in memory of it, the very first credit at the end credits there, no, which is I really sad. No, I do agree that maybe yeah. his sweater got ruined walking back in the house. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that happened. His, uh, yeah. Maybe his, his yeah. sack got singed on his head. On his <laughs> head, people. It's Tiny we're talking about here. Uh, but oh, uh, yeah, no, I got a different take. Okay. So there was another excellent use of licensed music in this next scene. So we get like the helicopter shot of the like the mountainous freeway as the family's driving mm-hmm. away. And the song basically continues through its entirety. Um, Freebird. And, you know, they pull up to the – yes, Freebird. Thank you. See, I'm just terrible with song names. Yeah, like well, I know them, but I couldn't take a title. long as hell yes, anyway. So, yeah. yeah, I'm a classic rock nerd. So, so it's not maybe through its no, entirety. No, it wasn't. But, but it was a really good chunk of it. Yeah. And – um. You know, we get slow motion effect here again as they're kind of getting ready. Um, and I just, I don't know. There's so many cool shots there. That overhead shot as the trio stops the car and they're being stared down by the barricade. It's an awesome shot. Um, so what's your take here then? you Do you think the family survived? Oh, no, they're dead. Okay. You're like they got shot up to, to bits. That That's, uh, they died. Yeah. They, they're deader than dead. So how I, I agree. That's that's how I thought too. It's like I thought it's pretty clear that they're getting shot up here. But I've been hearing things uh, about you know if Rob Zombie's going to do another um, film with the Firefly family, and I'm thinking, well, that would have to be a prequel or Wait, something, it, then, right? It could like, be how would they a prequel or between the two films? Oh yeah, yeah that kind of few month or, gap there. Or if you wanted to, the the you know they actually got further with the car and they had something go on in between them taking the car and leaving Tiny and before they got shot too. Yeah, you could yeah, always. They're, they're pretty banged up. I mean, Freebird is a long song. I mean, they could yeah, do they might... a lot. Well, Freebird, <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> they might have gotten <laughs> back to health. But uh, yeah, no, I I, I don't <laughs> think that uh, it would be a continuation or a sequel to Devil's Rejects. It'd have to be set early yeah. in the timeline or, uh, you know, it, it focuses on a different Tiny and Dr. Satan and maybe Grandpa since we didn't <laughs> see Grandpa either. Right. Yeah. Well, I don't know that there, he's going to do another sequel, though, because it, it's been 10 years. Yeah, I, know, I feel like you should leave it I alone. Agree. There's no yeah. need for more. Like, what right. else do you want to say? You know? Exactly. More visual exactly. Because, you know, special effects are better and maybe you have another take on things. But I think mm-hmm. what he had to say has been said when it comes to that right. plan. Mm-hmm. So what are your your final thoughts and your star rating on this one, Ash? <sighs> okay, it's a much better film than House of a Thousand Corpses. Okay. Um, well, <laughs> that's not saying much in your book because yeah. you gave House of a Thousand Corpses one star. But yeah. <laughs> um, this though, and this one feels like more like a movie. Uh, I like 
I liked some of the the setup and stuff like that, and you know it it flowed better. Um, it was still, I think it, it was still a little too much for me. Uh, I okay. I just could I couldn't I was with it up until the hotel, and then like just after the hotel, I kind of got back into it again. But after watching it twice, it's just kind of like, eh. It's like I don't I don't feel like I need to revisit it. Uh, mm-hmm. And they had some cool moments, but it's just like I could YouTube like the two scenes I liked, you know, type of thing. Um, but no, I thought it was a better, better done film. Um, and I enjoyed it a little bit, quite a bit more, actually. Um, I still think the characters are despicable, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but they're, they're supposed to be. Um, so I actually will give this one two and a half. OK, I love that your first two pieces of, of criticism were. It's not as bad as the one star movie I watched last week that I hated, and <laughs> it it feels more like a movie. That was, <laughs> that, was that was your first two pieces of of criticism there of of why it's better. That's funny to me. Um, but uh, so I said that, and there was something else I was going to say or ask you, and I forget what the hell it was. Um, oh, that's what I was going to say. Did you like it more? Did you like Devil's Rejects more the first time you watched it or this time? Um. The second time more because I got more out of it because okay. um, like the first time, honestly, the first time like I was going in to, and I was only like half paying attention to some of it because mm-hmm. it, it, it was just like uh, it, it, it didn't. It, neither of these really grabbed like, you know, grab me and be like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. You know, and it, it took me a bit to get into it. Right. Um, but uh, no, it uh, I think I got more out of it the second time than the first uh, okay. and, and I and realistically, I was going into this not expecting much at all. I and I and I, I like zombies take on Halloween, uh, but, you know, it, I literally I did not watch this movie until it hit Netflix because uh, well, like this year or last year, whenever it hit, uh, because I didn't like House of a Thousand Corpses that much. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Interesting. Now, Mark, what about you? Final thoughts and your star rating on Devil's um, Rejects here. I was excited to watch this again just because I really didn't like it the first time I saw it. And I couldn't remember watching it. I'm, I'm assuming I did watch it on, on DVD since I bought it just because it was opened. Um, so, but I had really no recollection. I, I just, I remembered the film, but I just didn't remember good things about the film. Um, so rewatching it now, I really liked it. Uh, a few scenes again, I didn't like, like the, the band getting just harassed if I want to put it mildly and the chicken fucking scene, which I just thought was just dumb. Um, (laughs) The casting (laughs) I liked now. So I, I I saw a thousand corpses. I've seen this one. I've watched Lords of Salem, which we'll discuss in the future. Really? Those are the only three films I remember of zombie. Again, I'm blank slating on the, the Halloween series. Um, so okay. I know the casting in Lords of Salem I had issues with. The casting in this one I did not. I really dug <laughs> Voorhees. Oh, Voorhees. Pardon me. Um, I really dug um, a Forey Ken Forey as Charlie Altman in this movie. I thought, he, yeah, absolutely. He yeah, was we pretty. About him, but. He, he yeah. The the cast in this was good. I will have to give you that. Yeah, the cast in this. Yeah, is and, and I thought he was properly casted in this role. Uh, unlike future films, will speak. Um, so really, I think the film minus a few missteps 
which is my personal preference, I really liked it a lot. Um, it, it really flows better than the first one. Um, I think so far it's probably my favorite of his catalog. Um, I think the first film I gave one and a half for Thousand Corpses. Um, this one yes. I will give a solid three. A solid three. I think it's worth revisiting for those who haven't seen it in a long time. Um, cast is perfect. The score is perfect. The story itself, simple but fun. Um, you know, it's it's almost two hours long, but doesn't feel like two hours. Um, it flows very well. So, yeah, I give it a solid three. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah, so... Um for me, this is a stronger film than House with a Thousand Corpses in, in both Rob Zombie's execution and the content, meaning that what we're seeing is is stronger. It's bloodier. Uh, there's more nudity. It's it's a whole lot more disturbing in terms of a script. Um, it's also a complete 180 because I found myself rooting for the sheriff instead of the family. Um, funnily enough, the sheriff proves to be just as extreme as the family um, at the end when he starts torturing the family and toying with them instead of just killing them and getting it over with. But, you know, this obviously cost him his life. But the family, Otis in particular, I mean, they're just way too disturbing in this um, to want that, to want to see them come out on top. Does that hurt the film a bit for me? Maybe, but I still think it's it's a better made film than House of Thousand Corpses. I mean, it's clear, like we talked about, that Zombie's growing as a director, which is so important and so great to see. You know, I'm happy that he chooses to move away from the Firefly family with his next film, though, um, as I don't really want to spend any more time with them. And I think they're dead. But uh, So The Devil's Rejects, you know, it's a, it's a good film. It's it's a very good film, but it's still not an excellent film. Um, so I'm I'm gonna give this one three and a half out of four stars as well. So uh, I liked it a hell of a lot. Um, but again, on second viewing, did not like as much. I lowered my ten down to an eight wow. as well. So yeah, that. <laughs> the trail, the trail in the house of zombie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I love it. I absolutely love it, but. So, excellent. So that is going to be that for this week. So next week, we're going to continue through our Rob Zombie retrospective with a review of his first remake, 2007's Halloween, which I am really excited to watch again. And there's like a bunch of different versions of that one. So we're going to have to try to make sure that we kind of watch the same one, if that's at all possible. I have the unrated cut, I think. Okay, that's the one I have yeah, as I'm well. I'm going to be cracking open for the first time my Halloween box set collector's edition. Yeah, so oh, okay. uh, I might do that on Instagram, folks, if you want to follow my stories. It's mnado 2 um, And you can watch me uh, unseal my box. <laughs> <laughs> I love watching you unseal. It makes me so, so happy. I'll be so delicate. Dating! Dating! Nice, please. Oh my god. So as always, by by some unfucking known reason, you like what you're hearing. Um <laughs> please leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, or wherever it all it is that you are listening to us. Positive reviews help us get more listeners, which is always the goal. So we appreciate you taking the time to leave us that review. Um Thank you guys for for taking a couple hours out of your day once again this week to listen to the three of us uh, talk about whatever movie it is we watch this week. The Devil's Rejects. I almost said House with Thousand Corpses. <laughs> oh, man. And thank you, Mark. Thank you, Ash. I hope you guys had fun again this week. I did. Of I course. thought this episode was 
Oh, oh wait, son wait, of a bitch. wait for oh, it. I should wait turn the volume it. up. Hold on. <laughs> uh, I, you know what? I, I really think this episode was. Don't you guys just want to like thread down like an aisle, even if it's a supermarket aisle, and just like <laughs> smack cans of soup off and just thread you know, to the exit? Actually, yeah. right now, right now, I want to find a copy of the 1970s version of Flash. Oh Gordon. yes, yes. <laughs> I like how you think. Oh boy, we better stop this. All right, so <laughs> I want to thank everyone for listening. And we're going to catch you next time. Harry Palms and Inner Boner. Hey, welcome to the Fashions, folks.